Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists, and food makers, farmers, authors, and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. A very good Sunday to you, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. If you're hungry for beautiful food, remarkable wines, creative cocktails, and juicy conversation, well, then this show is for you. I'm loading your plate with ideas, recipes, and tips that are easy to make and hard not to love every Sunday because the culinary landscape is ever-evolving. On this show, you'll hear from chefs and pastry aficionados, restaurateurs and food bloggers, travel experts and techies, cookbook authors, and more. We're sharing simple tricks that hopefully will change the way you cook for the better. And you can find lots of gastronomic inspiration posted on my website where I'm always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. And if you happen to have missed a show, don't worry, podcasts of this program are posted there as well. You can find a treasure trove of recipes for dinner tonight and my daily inspiration posted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef. Jamie Gwen. So the topic on the table for today has long been used in Indian and Caribbean cooking, and it's starting to show up in everything from bottled smoothies to beauty products. I thought we would take a moment in kicking off today's show to talk turmeric. Turmeric is getting a ton of attention. In fact, it's the continuing sort of buzzword superfood trend that has the active ingredient in it called curcumin, which has been known and proven a potent anti-inflammatory. And those anti-inflammatory properties have been shown to be beneficial with stomach issues and memory, even high cholesterol, diabetes, bruising, and slowing the spread of cancer. So turmeric, an important conversation, don't you think? Turmeric was traditionally called Indian saffron, by the way, because it has that deep yellow-orange color, and it has been used throughout history as a condiment, a healing remedy, even a textile dye. It has also been long used in the Chinese and Indian systems of medicine. And you've heard the great holistic doctor Andrew Weil talk about his adoration for all things turmeric, rather, right? Now, Turmeric is a cousin of ginger, which is also a root, and it has that deep golden color and a sharp, sort of slightly bitter flavor. Now, you can find ground turmeric in the spice section of your grocery store very easily, but more and more, fresh turmeric root is becoming readily available, especially at Asian markets. Now, turmeric is what provides the intense color of classic yellow mustard and even curry powder, and it's found in chutneys as well as the spice mixture garam masala, which so many of us love. Now, some studies have shown, interestingly enough, that combining turmeric with both black pepper and a fat source like olive oil or coconut oil really truly improves the absorption of curcumin by the body by like 2,000%. So if you're looking to get a really big, bold dose of turmeric, keep in mind that you should be adding some sort of oil or fat and a little bit of black pepper. Now, I happen to love the flavor of turmeric in small doses, and I make a turmeric ginger lemon tea that I drink at night. And simply 
by simmering the roots, both the turmeric and the ginger, cut into pieces with a half a lemon and a small sauce pot of water. Then I strain it and sip it. And the flavor is subtly intense. It's not overbearing, um, but I do suggest that you start with a small amount and then increase the turmeric once you get used to it. I actually drink it for the anti-inflammatory properties and I sure hope it's helping, but there are lots of other wonderful and helpful ways to use turmeric to better your body. So here are my best helpful hints. Now, when it comes to ground turmeric, you can easily add it to a multitude of dishes. Like you can use a tablespoon of turmeric if you are acclimated to the flavor. Start with a teaspoon and then subtly increase by adding that ground turmeric into your morning smoothie. Now, again, if you want to increase the absorption, include a tablespoon of coconut oil and a couple of... uh, black pepper grinds. You can also add ground turmeric to any soup recipe. It adds a really deep, beautiful hue, and the flavor is very delicate that way. A little ground turmeric in anything liquid-based goes a long way. You can also add a pop of color to your rice dishes by adding a half a teaspoon of ground turmeric to the water when you're cooking the rice. You can boost your mac and cheese and your kids will never know it by stirring in a half a teaspoon of turmeric to your cheese sauce. And by the way, it is great when cooking lentils or other legumes because it, again, adds that beautiful hue and you get very subtle turmeric flavor, but lots of great uses for ground turmeric, right? Now, to use fresh turmeric, which I think gives you more bang for your buck, You first need to peel it, just like with ginger root. You can either peel it with a peeler or use a paring knife to cut off that exterior skin. And then I simply grate mine with a microplane grater, or sometimes I'll just cut it into small pieces. And by the way, you can store any unused piece of turmeric, like in a Ziploc bag or plastic wrap in the refrigerator, and it stays for a week or two. Now, I mentioned my tea already, but consider adding freshly grated turmeric root to your marinades for chicken, fish, even beef. You simply add a teaspoon or so of the grated root for not only a flavor, but a great color kick as well. You can add a teaspoon of freshly grated turmeric to your stir fry along with the ginger while you're sauteing the vegetables and get a a great added health boost. And then Turmeric happens to be a beautiful pairing with eggs. So use a little bit of freshly grated turmeric when you're making scrambled eggs or add it into a frittata or even a quiche recipe like into the custard itself. The color enhances the beauty of the eggs itself from the turmeric. And once again, to your health, you're boosting your anti-inflammatory benefits. And so... I think that's a pretty good list of ways to incorporate turmeric into your diet, right? That is the lowdown, no doubt, on the superfood that's trending. And I'd love to know how you use turmeric. So please send me an email directly at jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at chefjamie.com, and we will dish. Okay, here's more news you can use. Domino's, the fast food mainstay that serves up American-style pizza, you know it. They just opened its first store in Italy. Yes, pizza's mother country. I know, I was surprised too. But how will Italians react to Domino's very particular iteration of fast food that Americans have grown to know and love and identify as pizza over the past half century? Well, 
It remains to be seen, but according to the company's announcement, Domino's Pizza Italia will be offering a slightly different menu, one that might play better to local sensibilities and tastes. According to national surveys, I thought it was so interesting to see that Italians eat pizza on average seven times each month. That makes me a little envious. And now Italians will be able to have a hot takeout pizza delivered right to their door. What do you think about the export of American fast food pizza to Italy? Personally, I will tell you, I am sticking with the Italian trattoria experience. I will gladly order a beautiful Neapolitan pizza from a wood-fired oven sitting at an Italian bistro in Italy anytime. And that is food news for this week. And do not touch your dial because there is so much more fabulous food coming up in your radio. The gentleman known and loved for his creation and culmination of the South Beach Food and Wine Festival, Lee Schrager. He's stopping by, taking us on a road trip of America's best breakfasts coming up next. Also, we are cooking directly from your kitchen shelf, live from the UK. The Guardian contributor, Eve O'Sullivan, will be here. And we are adding Southern flair to your favorite vegetables. Southern chef, Rebecca Lang, is stopping by before the end of the hour. So... Don't touch your dial. There is lots more delicious conversation right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen, don't go away. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Food is life, create and savor yours. Lee Schrager is here, the force behind the South Beach Wine and Food Festival, the biggest annual culinary powwow in the country, and the one that's raised more than $20 million for Florida International University's hospitality and tourism school. Kudos to you, Lee. The annual four-day food and wine beautiful event counts the world's top chefs and its most discerning palates among its 70,000 attendees. And while he's tasted the most luxurious foods in the world, Lee is really a meat and potatoes man at heart. And you know what? He loves breakfast and fried chicken for that matter. You remember Fried and True, his most recent book, So we have a lot in common. Well, his third cookbook release, which is much a buzz, is a collection of the greatest breakfast recipes from across the country, dubbed America's Best Breakfasts. And I am delighted that Lee Schrager is here to dish. Welcome back, Lee. How are you? Good to be back. (laughs) Thanks for having me on again. And I also just have to add that you know I also do the Food Network New York City Wine and Food Festival. You don't want to leave, you don't want to favor one of my festivals, I'm sure. (laughs) No, and I don't want to leave one out because I've actually attended both and they are, I have to say, not only 
a, a mix of the best culinary thinkers all in one place, but the most delicious experiences to taste from really what I think is around the world, these extraordinary flavors. You have culminated what is really considered to be the best of the best when it comes to uh, food festivals, per se, uh, nationally. Well, I appreciate that, and I would like to agree with you. Well, and yes, you should. Definitely so. Um, for everyone that knows you, Lee, you are uh, a, a patriarch, and I mean that as a great compliment in the wide world of food. And I think it is extraordinary that you love food, that you've experienced the best of the best, but that you have comfort food at heart. And I wonder what you think the reason for the universal appeal of like a, a big, hearty, yummy breakfast is, because it's at the heart, I think, of, of so many of our palates. Breakfast, you, you know, it's that memory of growing up with my brothers. It's that one meal of a day that we enjoyed together because at nighttime, you know, one brother was always playing football, one brother was working, and, uh, you know, breakfast, we were all home together, and there's something very warm and comforting about breakfast, and it's also so, uh, you know, of course, what can I say? It's the only meal of the day that you can wear your bathrobe and not feel guilty. <laughs> That's true, albeit you traveled the country, hopefully not in your bathrobe. Um, but I think you would have been well accepted if you had um, to find the best breakfasts. And I love the book. I love that you can take a, a culinary tour across the country and get a taste of each of the region's specialties. So can we take a trip with you? Sure. Okay, let's eat by region. And if we could, we'll start on the West Coast where I am, and then we'll move to your coast, the East Coast. Okay, um, let's start with um, some baked eggs. I love AOC. Um, I think that uh, Suzanne is an incredible talent. And there's no doubt that there is something brilliant about the beauty of baking an egg. Well, I don't disagree. And I will tell you, I don't normally bake eggs. I had had them before. But as you said, I think that Suzanne Goyen is one of the nicest, most talented chefs out there. And I loved her baked egg dish. It mm. really it was so beautiful and so simple to make. Um, you know, every recipe in America's Best Breakfast is geared towards the home cook. But this specifically, of all the recipes, if I think of ones that really are easy and quick and delightful, it's really Susan Goyen's baked egg. Yeah, and there's something really fabulous about the way that she weaves in the... Uh, the Italian sort of Mediterranean inspiration. She's always using some wonderful, uh, bright, beautiful chili. She has some rich, you know, luscious green. And I love the combination of all the flavors with white beans. So you get, you know, protein packed goodness and that perfectly cooked egg and the tomato all sort of charred and crusty jumps out at you. That made me want to lick the page. Well, I think it's what Suzanne does best. I yes. mean, she is a master at mixing flavors. Yes, she is. Um, and I, I, when mm. I, you know, I, I, I think that it is a real talent. I mean, a lot of people can cook. Mm. A lot of people can cook well. But I think the art of mixing flavors, like Suzanne does, is truly an art that she has really taken to the next level. Yes, I agree with you. Okay, as we uh, share more favorite local recipes from um, restaurants and diners and more across the country. By the way, if you just tuned in, you're late because Lee Schrager is here and his new cookbook release called America's Best Breakfasts will no doubt keep you full throughout the day. This is a reason for a road trip. 
I, I should say, Lee. Um, we and should... also, I guess, you know, on the oven-baked eggs, I forgot yes. to mention what I love best about Suzanne uh, Goyne's recipe for oven-baked eggs, which, as you mentioned, comes with the beans and tomatoes. Mm. At the end of the recipe, there's a sprinkling of the lemon gremolata yes. over the top that really just mm. lends a brightness and really just pops that dish and brings it to life. Yeah, I can't wait to make it. I also can't wait to plan a trip to Portland because I would gladly share a chocolate donut with you, although I'm not sure you will, sh- will share one. <laughs> They're that good, right? I-, I have to tell you, the donuts, I, we had so many great donuts along this trip, and I, I wish we could have put more recipes in, but I, this is really one of my favorites. And again, you know, it's not everyone thinks of making donuts at home, but this one's particularly easy. Yeah, and really uh, very, I want to say cake-like, only because it has that sort of richness from the buttermilk and the texture, and then you've got this crazy, fabulous chocolate. I have heard about Tasty and Sons in Portland. In fact, I have friends that will go just for the donut. And I like to say, Lee, we'll travel for food. I know you're the same. Well, I, I actually have a shirt that says I will travel for food. I Two shirts <laughs> I always wear. Uh, one says I'll travel for food, and the other one says always hungry. So that kind of you know personifies me. But the chocolate donuts from Tasty and Sons, I had never been there before. It's kind of icon- iconic. But really, I, I think what is the best part of that is the creme anglaise yeah. that they stuff these donuts with, which really is, is just fantastic. Oh, fabulous. Okay, let's move uh, to the Midwest, please. If we take a stop in St. Louis, we should go to half and half, you say, and we should have baked oatmeal, which I love that you mentioned. You'll never look at a bowl of oatmeal the same way again, right? Well, I, I, I have to say that people said, oh, you really you have an oatmeal recipe in your book, but the half-and-half half restaurant in St. Louis comes with a raspberry compote and candy pecans. It's probably my go-to breakfast every day. Mm. But half-and-half half oatmeal was really, I have to say, it was probably one of the prettiest photographs in the book. I'm actually looking at it right now and just thinking how it bring back all these great memories. I loved St. Louis. I had never been there before. And half and half was one of my favorite stops of the entire trip. Okay, take us, if you would, um, and it, it, allow us to take a seat at your table um, to your home in Miami, because this is a breakfast I can't imagine um, you'll ever forget. Your mother made a famous German breakfast, and my mother, well, it's my favorite recipe in the book yes. because it's German breakfast. And, of course, we were not German, nor did we ever have it for breakfast. We had it for dinner. Um, I, of course, now make it for breakfast, but my mom always made it for dinner. It probably, went, it probably was very inexpensive to make and went sure. a long way um, for my three brothers and my dad and I. Hmm. But it's really, I have to say, it's nothing more than a scramble. You, you render off the bacon. You add in peppers and onions. You add in some um, hash browns scrambling eggs, and that's my mom, Marlene Traeger's German breakfast. To this day, one of my favorite dishes brings back every memory, every great memory of growing up, and of course, being at home with my parents and my mom and dad, and uh, you know, I was thrilled that my mom could um, teach me this recipe for the book. I had never made it before. We did, you know, shot the book a year and a half ago, and I never had made German breakfast. Thought about it, talked about it, 
dreamed about it, and now I make it regularly. I love that you've taken us on a road trip, but the beauty of the book is that you can recreate and celebrate the nation's most honored traditions. These are America's best breakfasts, from down-home diners to the newest local hotspots to the iconic places that we all love. There is one meal I think we are most passionate about, uh, no matter where you're from, because it's breakfast with all the fixings. So rise and dine and do add Lee Schrager's newest cookbook release to your collection. It's called America's Best Breakfasts from Local Recipes, uh, Coast to Coast, America's Favorites. The book is available now. You can order your copy at Amazon.com. No doubt it is a satisfying collection of the best meal of the day. Congratulations to you, Lee, as always. I hope to see you in South Beach or in New York for uh, one of your extraordinary food festivals soon. It's always nice to be on. I love your show and I love how thorough you are. So nice chatting with you. Nice to talk with you as well, Lee. We do have the biggest names and the best culinary thinkers on this show. You heard Lee Schrager here. And there's more delicious conversation and fabulous food in your radio right after this. Don't touch your dial. Inspiring you to be a better cook every Sunday. Welcome back. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Okay, it's time to build your culinary repertoire. And it can be so easy. Evo Sullivan and Rosie Reynolds rely on a handful of ingredients from their pantry and a couple of fresh ones from the store. And they create over 100 delectable recipes simply and easily And you can too. The new cookbook entitled The Kitchen Shelf is releasing tomorrow and it's getting a lot of buzz. It's packed with recipes and information on how to head home after a long day and simply make a satisfying meal. And Evo Sullivan is here to dish live from the UK. She's a London-based food writer, cookbook author, food stylist, and the editor of Cooked.com. And I love the book, Eve. Congratulations. Oh, thank you so much, Jamie. Lovely to speak to you. Today. And lovely to speak with you as well. Thank you. Okay, give us the lowdown, if you would. The concept of the book, how it came to fruition. You say 30 pantry essentials, 10 of which are must-haves, and you can cook literally just about anything. Yeah, that's right. So I suppose the easiest way to sum up the concept um, of our cookbook is that we want to make everyday eating extraordinary. Um, and so as you're saying, Rosie and I have both worked in the food industry for quite a long time. Um, Rosie is a food stylist, so she makes food for cookbooks look really beautiful and mm. she writes recipes. Um, I write recipes and do some food styling too and um, edit a lot of recipes and test a lot of recipes myself. And um, I think we came about the concept of the book because we just realized that actually the most rewarding way to cook and the best way to cook with confidence is to really get to know your ingredients and know how to build on flavor with a handful of simple things. Um, And so, you know, for both of us, when we get home from a long day at work, you know, just like everyone else, you want to be able to whip up something as fast as possible, as easy, that you don't have to go to the store for about six different ingredients. Um, So it's kind of just based on the way we cook, really, and the way that 
you know, we feel is the easiest and most rewarding way to do that. And I think that you've proven that a well-stocked pantry, as we know, makes everyday cooking so much easier. But I love the ingredients that you choose as the ultimate essentials. So I'm going to read the list. And then if we could cook, I'll name an ingredient, Eve, if you don't mind. And then you can share some dish inspiration. Okay, good. So from a can of chickpeas, a bag of rice, a can of tomatoes, a bag of flour, a jar of peanut butter, a box of eggs, a bag of pasta, a can of coconut milk, a bottle of milk, and a bar of chocolate. Don't leave out the chocolate. (laughs) You two make literally daily dishes. So start with a can of chickpeas, if you would. I happen to love chickpeas, and we're having a bit of a chickpea revolution here in the States, you know. Yeah, I absolutely adore chickpeas, and they're really, really popular in the U.K., um, there's something that you can just pick up from pretty much any store over here. And I know, like you're saying, they're pretty popular over there. Yes. Um, I think one of my favorite chickpea recipes in the book um, is a Indian-inspired chickpea salad. Um, it's so easy to whip up. It's just kind of frying off some onions um, with a handful of spices and then throwing the chickpeas in, warming them through, and then topping it with some smoked mackerel. Mm. Um, but you could easily change that fish up or you can put some grilled chicken, anything you like. Um so for me, that's something I can make for dinner in, you know, 20 minutes when I get home from work. Or the best thing is if you make those chickpeas in advance, you can kind of use them as a base for your lunch boxes um, and then swap up depending on what you've got in the fridge. So it really is kind of a versatile, it's a versatile thing, a chickpea. It's so, so much good value and really nutritious. Yeah, I love the idea because they're so protein packed of throwing them into anything and everything. And you throw them into a, a fennel and orange salad which I thought was lovely. And then they translate really beautifully for breakfast. I want to make smashed chickpeas with crispy prosciutto and perfect poached eggs. Yeah, that is, that is definitely one of my favorite recipes in the book. And again, that kind that chickpea smash, um, Hmm. quite often, um, if I'm, you know, trying to cut back on the mashed potato or pasta or something like that, you know, you can serve those with really simply grilled like Italian style sausages or, you know, like the dishes with some, with a poached egg and some crispy prosciutto and, Hmm. Yeah, just, just super versatile. Yum. Okay, tell us what to do with a can of chopped tomatoes. It seems so simple. I mean, I would hope that every great cook, and my listeners, of course, have canned, diced tomatoes in-house at all times. Um, but it's more it's for more than just sauce, I should say. I think, uh, for me, a tin, the best thing about a tin of tomatoes is that it, you can travel around the world um, with with a chop, you know, a tin mm-hmm. of chopped tomatoes. You can have, you know, it can be the base of an Indian curry. It can be the base of an Italian tomato sauce. It can be the base of a Turkish breakfast dish, you know, or like a, a Mexican stew. Um, you know, they're just really the most versatile ingredient I can think of. Um, so I would say the recipe in the book that I really like from that chapter one is uh, the prawn curry. Oh, yes. Um, that, again, is ready in about 15 minutes. Really great dinner dish. Um, when I say prawn, I mean shrimp, I guess. <laughs> yes, and when you say tomatoes, Eve, it sounds so delightful. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, yeah, so I probably shouldn't worry about saying prawn. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, but also a recipe in there that I love is the tomato soup, uh, cream of tomato soup with uh, grilled cheese sandwiches you serve mm. it with. Um, and that's just such a fantastic comfort food. And that, and that dish really, I think... Um, sort of encapsulates what the book is about you know even if you do only have your tin of chopped tomatoes in the cupboard just throw in a handful of spices and a little garlic and you've got you know a really satisfying soup
Yes, and then you say throw in some leftover bread and process it into um, the soup, right? Or if you're using the leftover bread into breadcrumbs, there's so many different opportunities to utilize what you have. Exactly, and I think this is, again, this is um, what Rosie and myself are really passionate about. It's not, you know, it's not about oversimplifying um, recipes, you know, it's about streamlining and really kind of investing in flavor and understanding how different flavors work. So with the handful of spices um, that we suggest to have in the pantry, um, you know, it's about realizing that you can use those in different ratios to uh, kind of, so they take on the, you know, they produce the flavor of a certain cuisine. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I think... Yeah, it's just about cooking in a clever way, I suppose. Yes, you can cook straight from your kitchen shelf. There's more with author Eve O'Sullivan, you and me, right after this. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, dishing with Eve O'Sullivan. I think it's a very mindful way. I think it brings you closer to your ingredients. If you have the essentials that please your palate on hand, and you can pick up a couple fresh items like you mentioned, and you can put a delicious dish on the table and mix it up and add some ethnic influence, there's really a wonderful way to create more inspired home cooking. And that's why I love the concept. I cook like this. I always have. And, you know, even with a a culinary education, this is the way that I love to feed my family and my friends. And there's something very inspiring about it. And there's something very motivating about it to me. Um, We're very coconut milk crazy as well in the U.S. Um, Are you too? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay, yeah, so... I really love coconut milk. <laughs> would you please share your one best coconut milk recipe, and then I will recap mine, if you don't mind, because I'd love to know if you're making the same in the UK. Sure. So, my favorite uh, coconut milk recipe from the book would have to be the coconut and lime meringue pie. Oh, um, okay. Just because I think it's... I, I really love those kind of dishes that are a slight twist on a classic. Um, and then, so when we, you know, like when I've served the coconut pie and Rosie's tried it out and quite a few of her friends too, I think it's, there's something really satisfying about it because, you know, you've got the creaminess, but then, you know, of a, a traditional kind of cream pie style dish, but then, you know, but it's also a little bit tropical and a little bit lighter and, mm. you know, it's, it's kind of a clever way of using it, I think. Congratulations on the book. I think this is, uh, I will say destined to become a kitchen cookbook staple because you really have used the foundation of great dishes to elevate our palates, to inspire great cooking for daily inspiration. Um, And I really am very excited to cook from the book. You can stock your kitchen shelf with 30 basic ingredients, buy a couple items from the store and make a delicious recipe. It is really that simple. The new cookbook release coming out tomorrow. Check it out. Order your copy in advance at amazon.com at Fiden, P-H-A-I. 
I-D-O-N.com. You can have uh, certainly find more information. It's called The Kitchen Shelf, and it is written by Eve O'Sullivan and Rosie Reynolds of The Guardian, both uh, contributing their talents in the UK. Um, and of course, Eve O'Sullivan is the editor of Cooked.com, where there is a treasure trove of recipes as well. And the photographs are beautiful, Eve. Please um, tell Rosie I said so. I will. Thank you so much, Amy. Lovely speaking to you. And lovely speaking to you as well. Good luck with the book and congratulations once again. There's more fabulous food in your radio right after this. Okay, now I'm hungry. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. This show brings you fresh ingredients, recipes, and kitchen wisdom from celebrity chefs, authors, and culinary experts. And Rebecca Lang is, in fact, all of those. The talented Southern cook who is highlighting garden stars in her new cookbook entitled The Southern Vegetable Book is here. As more and more of us Americans turn to locally sourced and homegrown ingredients, vegetables are returning to the center of the plate, which is a good thing. And there are, I think, few people who appreciate vegetables the way that Southerners do. It's that incomparable sweetness of corn fresh picked the same day, or a a Georgia peach, or a tomato that's still warm from the sunshine. Southerners seem to have a knack for preparing vegetables in charming ways for generations. And Rebecca Lang is one of those Southern girls and Southern cooks. She is an author, cooking instructor, and TV personality born and raised in South Georgia, the author of five other cookbooks, in fact, and she is here to dish on her newest release. The Southern Vegetable Book is here, as is Rebecca. And I'm glad to have you back. Hi, Rebecca. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Okay, so um, I happen to love your Southern style because when summer comes around, you get really excited, right? I do. I get excited any time it's time to eat. (laughs) So do I. That's true. Um, But I love in the book that you introduce each vegetable by its history in the South. So you have a a passion for peas, do you not? (laughs) I do have a passion for peas. I haven't heard it put that way before, but yes. You remember, we, you talk about growing up um, shelling peas. We, I grew up in a very small town, and in this town, if a farm nearby, which there were plenty, had peas ready, then um, this was before the time where farmers had shelling machines, mm-hmm. but my dad would come home with a bushel of peas, which meant several hours mm-hmm. on the back porch. We had a screen porch that my grandmothers and my mom and my dad, and we would all, my sister, we'd all sit outside and shell peas and of course as a kid I didn't think that was very fun but now looking back on it some of my most fond memories are the conversations we had shelling peas Mm. and I was I remember always being amazed how fast my grandmother's fingers would work because she could shell a pea faster than I could pick a new pot out of the bowl but (laughs) but it was then after we shelled everything that we had to go inside and blanch the peas Mm -hmm. in order to freeze them because 
we couldn't eat all the peas, of course, in time before they went bad. <clears throat> so it really turned into just a great long family affair, and mm-hmm. it didn't matter if it was peas or if we were shucking corn or even shelling pecans. I mean, that was the back porch seems to be where it all happened. Yeah, of course. And then those peas went into beautiful recipes that you highlight in the book, like the lady pea summer salad with that um, simple white wine vinegar, Dijon lemon vinaigrette and, and fresh basil. And then I loved the idea of grill smoking summer peas with, um, you talk about like standard baked beans having a comeback. You've got these beautiful peas and tomatoes and bacon and garlic and molasses, I'm in. Well, it gives it a little bit more of a rich side dish because like the lady pea salad, I love to have um, on the side with grilled chicken or even Mm. if I have it a lot of times for lunch, I'm here by myself during the day, so I eat lunch of always leftovers, and that makes mm-hmm. the best lunch the next day mm-hmm. after you've made it for supper. But I think grill uh, beans on the grill kind of takes it into a different level. So if you had a really hearty barbecue and you've got a lot of people coming for dinner, that's a really nice thing to have even if you're going to do uh, a grill out for lunch. And, and, you know, you have those big, like the 4th of July when we have the great big grill outs. It is a perfect time to do it because peas are in the height of the season. Right. And that's kind of a new, fun way that I think people find a little bit unexpected. These are modern takes, no doubt, in great Southern style. It is a new cookbook release from Rebecca Lang called The Southern Vegetable Book, a route to stock guide to the South's favorite produce, evoking that beautiful Southern spirit with tips and tricks that really embrace fresh vegetables to make them the star of your next meal. You can learn more and bring Rebecca's new book into your kitchen at RebeccaLangCooks.com. Rebecca, come back next season and inspire us again, will you, with um, with fall and winter vegetable recipes and treats? Of course. I'm already looking forward to it. Okay, I look forward to it as well. Thank you again for stopping by, Rebecca, and for sharing your passion. Thank you. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of informative, entertaining, and delicious conversation. Well, at least I hope you think so. I also hope that you had a moment of culinary nirvana and that I inspired you to eat and cook well this week. I will leave you with my last bite for the hour. Since Cinco de Mayo is this Thursday, you need a dip, right? I love dips, actually. And this super easy nacho dip is perfect for just about any occasion. With just five ingredients, it's quick to make and it's hard not to finish, by the way. For my easy nacho dip recipe, you'll need two cups of sour cream and a block or eight ounces of cream cheese. You'll blend them together well using an electric mixer till they're nice and smooth. And then add in a couple tablespoons of chili powder, a good quality flavorful one. Like I like to use chipotle chili chili powder, or you can try ancho, whatever your palate is pleased by. But I love that smoky flavor that it imparts. Then you'll spread that flavorful, creamy mixture into the bottom of a serving dish or a casserole. You'll layer on a cup of salsa and a cup and a half of shredded cheese, and then you'll bake the dip at 375 degrees until warm throughout, and the cheese is all bubbly and melty takes about 20 minutes and oh, it is so good. I'll post the recipe with ingredients and method 
on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. And I'll encourage you to check out ChefJamie.com if you're looking for more recipe inspiration for your fiesta. Here's wishing you a delicious week. I thank you for listening. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. I'll meet you here next Sunday. And until then, I hope you continue to eat well. <laughs>